BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Balanced Black Girl. I'm your host, Les, and I'm here going up every Tuesday. And right now we're nearing the end of our manifestation and inner magic series. We've gotten a lot into the woo, which has been really fun to explore. And today we're really talking about that inner magic component. Our guest is Jessamine Stanley, award-winning yoga instructor and entrepreneur, author, founder of The Underbelly, which is a streaming wellness app and community, co-host of the podcast Dear Jessamine, and co-founder of We Go High, a North Carolina-based cannabis justice initiative. When I first started the podcast, I actually had a short list of dream guests, people that I had on my list of someday interviews, and Jessamine was on that list. So to have the opportunity to interview her a few years later at what was truly the ideal time was just such a full circle moment. It, it was a manifestation of mine that I can share in real time, and this conversation was such a gift. As she does, Jessamine was a breath of fresh air, bringing authenticity, humility, and care to this conversation, where we talk at length about self-acceptance and how it is truly a journey, not a destination. Through sharing her experiences so vulnerably, Jessamine shares her magic with all of us, and I hope this conversation inspires you to embody and share your magic in a way that feels authentic to you. So let's get into our conversation with Jessamine. Jessamine, welcome to Balance Black Girl. I truly cannot say how excited I am to be having you on the show, to be sharing space with you. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Really, truly. Yes, it is an honor. So there's so many things that I want to dive in and, and talk to you about today. First, and probably like most overarching, is your book, Yoke which you came out with last year. I, when I knew you were coming on the podcast, I was like, okay, perfect. I'll make sure I read the book beforehand. Great. I'll be prepared. What I did not expect is last week I sat down to start the book, sat on my couch and then got up six hours later after I just read the whole book (laughs) in one sitting. (laughs) I really, I did not expect that to happen. Me neither, really, literally. Honestly, just (laughs) read the entire thing. Um, And I'm so appreciative for that work. And I think a lot of it for me was around timing. I actually recently completed my 200-hour yoga teacher training. (sighs) 
Congratulations. Thank you. And so I oh think I'm, I'm still very much in that headspace. So as I was reading the book, I was like, yes, yes, yes. And I was like literally right on time. My goodness. Literally. Right on time. Yeah, I feel you. I would love to know more about your training and just how all of like what it brought up for you. And I don't know if that's a conversation for today or another day, but I'm wow. Welcome. I'm, happy to be in community with you. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm happy to to talk about it. Um, actually did my training. I just ended it last month and I had such a unique yoga training experience that I'm so grateful for. It was actually with an organization here in LA that's really rooted in yoga community. Yoga is a tool for social justice. So all of the different modules we learned were through different lenses of inclusion. So we had like a public health segment, a segment on yoga in wow. Spanish, yoga for all bodies. It was just oh my goodness, incredible. Absolutely. That is incredible. What is the organization or what is the, the group? Yeah, it's called The Tree, The Tree Yoga Co-op based in wow. South LA. Amazing. That's exactly right. That's dope. It was so dope. It was a gift. And I, I have so many friends Truly. who have done trainings in so many different, you know, organizations who just had very different experiences. And even the examples mm. you shared in the book, you Absolutely. had different experiences. Very different. <laughs> it's not that. It, it was not what you just described, but it was also the training that I needed. You know, I feel like so much of um the way that we understand yoga teacher training in America is so deeply rooted in like academia and the idea of rhetoric and like we're like being able to hold information and give it to other people. But my understanding of what it is to practice yoga is that it's just always unveiling yourself and unpeeling yourself. And so any experience that you have is really just leading you to that deeper experience of yourself. And so it really doesn't matter like where you train or what you do because you're always getting the yoga that you need. I do think that yoga is the key to our collective freedom and being able to tie it clearly to social justice and understanding how like the ways to implement progress and change in our society, that is crucial. So when you're talking about the tree, I'm like, that is amazing. That's exactly right. All those modules, like, yes, perfect. But then at the same time, when I think about my own training and uh, I went to a predominantly white yoga teacher training in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and I, at North Carolina already being, I would say a pretty white yoga world in general, and also a pretty, California in general is so different. The understanding of spirituality is just fundamentally different. And yoga in particular is the, the access, the, the number, there's just, it's a completely different world. And so in North Carolina, I would say it is much, it's just really different. It's just all really different. And uh, my training, I was one of two people who were not white. And um, I was like the only visibly fat person. And I had, there were a lot of moments of conflict during my training, uh, but with uh, me with myself I wrote about that a little bit in um, in everybody yoga the experience of like really having to see like how much I uh, apologize for existing 
that came up for me a lot during training. But what I talk about more in yoke were the experiences that I had with my instructors and um, and my fellow practitioners, wherein I was just really forced to look at the ways the white supremacy is fully embedded in the uh, yoga industrial complex. And so uh, <laughs> the, the I think that those experiences, though, really shed a light and offer a mirror of reflection for myself and also a, a path toward compassion and reflection toward others. Um, but I, you know, <laughs> I think I really appreciate, I like, there's so many things that I loved about my YTT, so many things. And I do, uh, feel like it is my, my yoga mothership, that school, but at the exact same time, you know, there's, there's family, pro- everybody's got problems in their family. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And what I also, what I appreciate about what you just shared in that analogy of family, where it's like, where you, you love them. And also you have questions sometimes. And that was the example you shared in the book was like seeing some content in your YTT where you, you had a question and you asked a question and and saw how it was received. And I think the freedom to ask questions is so important. That is it to really just to ask them of yourself, to feel comfortable finding your voice. Like for me to Find my to okay. So uh, one of the things that happened that I talk about in yoga is that my teacher was she was just talking about the attributes of practice. You know, I don't want to spoil it. You can read this in the book. It's <laughs> uh, it's in the chapter about uh, cultural appropriation, I believe. But I what <laughs> the way she was talking about it. I really could have just not said anything like not like I could have just been like, I don't want to, I'm not trying to talk about this with all these white people to be completely honest with you. But I was like, I have to say something like my spirit is so heavy on my spirit. And even though like I'm in the minority, like I need to be able to give voice to this. And that in and of itself is the practice of yoga to find, to be able to just stand in it. It's not about anybody else or like what, and that's been one of my biggest realizations with all this and something that I came to uh, understand about one of my favorite teachers, someone that I still to this day love very much. And it is the teacher that I talk about in the last chapter of Yoke um, called Mama Always Said Never Trust a White Boy. It is a, a a yoga teacher, white male yoga teacher who I have disagreed with on a fundamental level. <laughs> like I do, we do not share the same opinion. And realizing that it is not his responsibility to have the same opinion as me. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself, that that I need to be able to stand in my own truth enough so that it doesn't even matter what anyone else does. <laughs> it's irrelevant. All of that. It's just an invitation back to yourself. It's an invitation back to myself. And so I feel a lot of gratitude for the experiences that uh, were like annoying at the time or the experiences <laughs> that just like kind of suck because they, they're opportunities to grow. Yeah, definitely. As you were describing that, I was also thinking too, just also the inverse of that, the experience as a leader, something that I've felt a lot of fear around in leading is like, Ooh, what if I have opinions that 
my people don't agree with. And I'm disappointing them in that way. And it's caused me to not show up in some ways. And I'm really trying to unlearn that. Have you experienced that? Mm, I'm testifying, truly. <laughs> this is like the whole lesson of entrepreneurship for me. Mm -hmm. It's that it is the, the cheese stands alone. <laughs> and it's like, you have to be able to say, like, I have to be able to, and I have always been, you know, like, I think I'm like many people, like, I want to be liked. I want to be friendly. I want to be yeah. like, you know, uh, I, I don't want to walk alone. It is scary to walk alone. But um, sometimes everyone else can't see the vision or like sometimes like it's not even about whether or not they can see it. It's like I need to be able to articulate my vision. I need to be able to say what is not already here. And like, not everybody is going to get it. Not yeah. everybody is going to care. Not everyone is going to feel the same way. And like, that is also really important because they are offering so much through not feeling the same way. And I need to be in a space of reception, like receptivity, like just take it take the offering and taking the offering is so hard sometimes because it's like, I don't, it's like you, I want to find consensus or I want to uh, wait for someone else. This is another thing of like uh, not wanting to be the one who has to do the hard thing or say the hard thing and like kind of wait for somebody else to do it. Mm -hmm. It's just like the, the more time goes on, the more that I, um, grow my businesses in particular there's just there's no none of that there's none of like uh let's see like let's see how the group feels like let's see like can i can can someone else speak for no it's gonna be like this is me and it's just a, it's a maturing it's a it feels like the moon uh moving into a new phase of life or something it's like just learning and also knowing that like that other stuff that happened before uh is important too what is your big three before we get further that's a so great question yes i'm a yeah. leo sun taurus moon libra rising totally very interesting how yeah. balanced it's how an lovely. interesting balance yes yeah do you have any uh like prominent water sign placements? I have a couple of water sign placements. So I have my Jupiter in Cancer and oh, then I wow. have uh, a Pluto in Scorpio, which is- uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, little, totally. Were you born in like 1989 or something? I was, <laughs> yes, like, yes. Yeah. I love that. Wow, what a good year. Man, y'all are so interesting. That Cancer, the Jupiter Cancer is so interesting to me. It is. What's your um, big deal? Yeah, uh, I am a Cancer Sun, Cancer Moon, Virgo Rising. Love it, so double Cancer. Very emotional. Yes, <laughs> I love it though. Water for breakfast. I've I've grown to appreciate my water sign people so much. And when I was younger, I didn't because I was just like feelings, like I can't go there, I can't do that, and they kept pulling me into it. Absolutely, <sighs> it was a learning. I but now I'm like, you. pull me in. <laughs> I have always, so I always wanted to be either a Leo or a Gemini because I just felt like those signs were more fun or something. And so I like never learned a lot about what it is to be a cancer. And like, now I'm obsessed with fire signs, like in a very specific <laughs> way. My, um, my business partner, the CEO of the underbelly is a Leo. And I just, I'm just like, Oh my 
Grunt, just everything about the way she goes about stuff. I'm just like, that is it. Like Leo is just like, just shine, just shine. It doesn't matter. Just everybody shine. And then my partner, my creative collaborator is a uh, Aries and the, the fearlessness, the courageousness that comes along with that fire is so intense. It's so like cleansing. And then what I've recently come to be obsessed with is Sagittarians. And they are like, I've always found Sagittarians being violent in the heat. So that they're just <laughs> like, like, I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad. But now I'm like, they are fearless in their anger. Like, they're just like, this is what it is. Yes. And you can like it. You can hate it. It doesn't matter. Anyway, we all appreciate each other's bounds. For <laughs> sure. I feel like that's like maturing is, is learning to appreciate those things that you maybe previously didn't, didn't understand as well. Literally. So have you, have you kind of started digging more into your, your cancer Mm -hmm. nature a bit and learning more about it? Mm -hmm. How's that been? Yeah. Um, yeah, (laughs) I, I I think that, um, I, I'm like sort of coming to terms with it. The, um, so I think I really just didn't try to ever learn anything about myself, to be completely honest. Like I never thought about, I was not trying to be conscious at all. And my mother and my aunt have always been obsessed with astrology is extremely important to them. My, I talk about this a little bit in yoke. My aunt gave me my first um, tarot deck when I was young and I did not care about it. I would like, they would always be trying to read a birthday book or read about some, do somebody's numerology or whatever. And I was just like, I don't care about this at all, but you know, trends are powerful. And since my Saturn return, I've definitely been much more into the esoteric in general. And so I have learned more about um, what it is to be a cancer, what it is to be, to be the ocean, um, to be uh, so present to all of the emotions. And um, I think that there's a lot of acceptance that comes along with that. And also a lot of leadership that comes along with that too, because there is um, ultimately a fearlessness with the experience of emotions that I think is so needed right now. And like, is something that I'm like, I don't know what I can do, but I can make space for everybody to cry together. And so I'm like, that is what it really feels like we need right now. Honestly, that is why I wrote Yoke, is to make a space where it is okay to cry. It's okay to just be sensitive and tender and to have had your feelings hurt and not gotten over it and have all the receipts. And like what it is to be like mad at yourself, you know, and to, to have that keep happening. But life is always finding new ways to force you to accept some shitty piece of yourself and it's always that piece that is the best piece ultimately like it can what is it for it to be bad and perfect at the exact same time so yeah yeah a little bit yes (laughs) uh 
No, I, I appreciate that reflection. And even what you said about it taking a while for you to get into a space to learn about yourself. I think that's so relatable because I think in a lot of ways, we, we don't take the time to learn about who we are. We just decide we're going to change who we are. We're going to change the things about ourselves that we don't like instead of being and embodying who we already are. That is it. It's so interesting. The desire to change something. I spent like my whole adolescence trying to change everything about myself. Like anything that if it seemed like it could maybe be different, I was going to try to change it. And it's this, I feel like my whole thing now is just like trying to like see new things. It's like, nope, that's, that's just how it is. That's how that is. But the actual, like looking at the things that the process is just so nonlinear, I guess is what I'm feeling that it's like, I find myself now even finding new ways to be like, like things to be stuck in my ways that I'd be like, this is who I am. Or like, this is what I've decided. And there's just no deciding anything. Like everything is in flux. Everything is, um, uh, it's not even about changing anything. It's just about seeing all of it. Yeah. Even sometimes being in a state of like observation about ourselves or having a sense of, of curiosity, there was actually a, a line in the book that I like double highlighted, underlined, earmarked. It said, um, it's really that my expectations of what I'm capable of are holding me back from accepting who I am. And I thought that's literally beautifully. God, that's exactly right. It's like, you have an idea of who you're supposed to be. Like, I always thought who I thought I knew who I was supposed to be and not being that person was the problem. And so if I could just try to become that person, no matter what, come hell or high water. But even now, having written Yoke and having still like gotten older, I am still finding all of these different places where I'm like, oh, that's another thing that I decided about myself. That's another thing. Like, what is it to release that? Even, I mean, I always think like, like, oh, I hate calling myself a yoga teacher, but even the concept of being a yoga teacher, like, what is it to release that? What is it to release? I talk about it a little bit and I'm not me, but just releasing Jessamine as a concept. And I think that that, that the avenue toward that feels um, more accessible actually through, uh, through professional growth and through the, the enterprise of Jessamine Stanley, but that person is not me. You know what I mean? Like that's that, or that being is not all that I am. And I think that just settling into that, it's a fun way to spend life. It's like a way to pass the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I love that you just said that even after, you know, all of the work you've done writing books like this, that it's still is a practice for you because I think mm -hmm. someone could from the outside see you and be like, Jessamine Stanley. She's a pro yoga teacher. She's built a yoga empire. Like she must be always centered all the time and have it all figured out. And for everybody, it's a continuous practice. Exactly. I'm like, that is my yoga <laughs> to, be, like, to be trying to figure out like how all these things go together. It's just such a blessing. And that I think, um, that's really where I land with everything. So it's just like every day is a gift. 
every day an opportunity. It's really fun. Like the, and I am, have so much privilege that if I can just make space for other people to have privilege, that's a great way to spend life. And so the chaos of it is great. It's a good, it's, you know, I think I'm also kind of coming around to the idea that like you can decide how to feel about life. That's not something that I have always felt. Cancer feels, I am in this feeling, whatever the moment is, I'm in this feeling and that's all that matters. But now I'm like, the fire signs, y'all help with understanding that like, you can just decide to feel a way. Like you can just say like, yeah, I'm gonna go this way. And maybe not pretend that all the other emotions aren't there. There's there's an in-between, but like, just say, you know, I'm gonna enjoy. Yeah. I'm gonna love it. Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that we had talked about shortly before we started recording was self-compassion. And I would love to like come back uh, around to that, um, around how self-compassion also is a practice, like everything else that we've talked about, like these are all practices and how it varies and can flux. So I would love to hear just a little bit more about your experiences with self-compassion and how that feels for you now. Literally every day, like there is an opportunity to be down on myself or to be like, to be hard on myself, to be critical mm-hmm. in one, in some, there's always, it's like, it'll be insidious. It'll be like undercover, be something. And then that thing will make it where I am so consumed with self-loathing and self-hatred that I am not able to see the people around me. I'm not mm-hmm. able to uh, really let them be them because I am mad at me for not being me. And this is just, I mean, I think that knowing that that is a practice that you just keep showing up to it, that it's not supposed to be, I think we get really fixated on like final destinations or like getting the right answer so that you're like, no, I figured out how to do that. So I don't need to worry about that anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's just every single day you show up to it. It's just practice. And, and it's a practice, solid practice on purpose. Cause like, it's not, it's not a perfect, it's just a practice. You just see, sometimes you fall, sometimes you fail. Sometimes you fuck up so big. Sometimes you do not do it well at all. And it's just that way on purpose. It's okay. And in the same way that it, in the same way that you wouldn't criticize a child, like you wouldn't say to a child, like, well, you know, you should have figured that out by now. Well, maybe somebody would, but ideally you just let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. And so then remembering that we're all children, each of us is just a baby that got bigger, too big for anybody's cradle or arms. <laughs> and now we're just all walking around being babies at each other. <laughs> And like being able to just be present to that, like that, it's just, it's it's just a practice. Like every day, every day, just showing up, not doing it right. And some days, um, I I think that I'm in a place in my life where I am being offered a lot of opportunities to practice compassion for myself. And it's only so that I can practice it for with other people. And there are so many people that are 
that need me to be compassionate. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like that ultimately it just becomes like, it's just a service to others. It's like the one thing that you could, I don't know about anybody else. I feel like it's the one thing that I could try to offer somebody else is to just try to be compassionate for myself Mm -hmm. so that I can then be compassionate toward them. And then whether what they do with that, it's not on me. Like that's right. not that's not for me to be concerned about. But I do have a hunch that if we are all being compassionate for, toward ourselves and then showing compassionate toward toward each other, then that leads to all of us experiencing just a gentler, softer, softer way of being that we can just not be so hard on each other, not be so mean to each other. And there's a lot that is out of our control in this world, but that's something that is in our control. So just trying to arrive in that place to practice every day, that's like enough work for me. That's all the work. (laughs) Just trying to do that. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. And I, I loved what you just said about compassion towards ourselves and others being something we can control. One of, one of the, you know, few things that we can control and using that as a reminder, every time we get an opportunity to express compassion is really important. Have there been any, you know, like tools uh, or practices for you that have helped with, with self-compassion? Mm, oh my goodness. So many, I think the best one, and it's, it's a hard one, but it is the most effective. It's shutting up. It's <laughs> ceasing to speak. Do not talk. <laughs> that is my main practice. It is just stop talk, silence. Do not talk. <laughs> I am, and it gets me in trouble because I think that, um, I sometimes move slower than other people would like. And so when someone is like in a, in a fury, I will revert to silence, but at the exact same time, the balance of that is the opposite (laughs) to not be silent, (laughs) to let it all out and just say all of it. Because, um, I think another thing that happens is like you, you stay silent and you put things into boxes and you hide them away and then you just never actually deal with them. And there's no way to practice compassion. If you're not actually looking, letting it all leave, I let the shit stink. Like it's gotta be stink. You just, it's gotta be there. And so just saying the hardest thing, um, and not saying it in a way of being hurtful, like not trying to draw blood or trying to, um, and also not trying to be mean, very Aquarian is I think the yeah. way to go about it. It's I like, like that. just like, just be like straight up, Yeah. but a mix of silence and also, um, saying all of it, those are like my tools. That's the, that's my two prong attack every day mm-hmm. in every moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That discernment is key of knowing, knowing when to speak up and then when to pause (laughs) and, and reconsider, um, is huge and a good tool, I think in all scenarios, (laughs) all of them, literally there's no one. And I think that, um, the, the moments that are most, the best moments to practice are the ones that don't look like it. (laughs) The ones that where it's like, 
someone is really trying you or a situation is really trying you. And um, being able to just remember that, oh, this was the, this is what I asked for. This is the lesson. This is what I'm being taught. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Savoring and remindering yourself the lesson. That's a good one. Speaking of that, you know, as, as you say that, I'm also thinking about when we acknowledge those lessons, giving them time to sink in, which makes me want to transition a little bit and talk about stillness. Um, cause I know that was another theme from the book that I really appreciated your sentiments around, um, Actually, one of the other lines that really stuck out to me was how you said you previously used to give your meditation practice the same amount of energy as an elementary school book report. Like you, you know, it's good for you, but like why and how you embody it is like "Hmm, TBD. (laughs) Oh Um, my God. Literally. I remember doing my, um, my meditation journal during my yoga teacher training and read like my, uh, diary like no shade it was just like very much like I have to I have to do this for school you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like it was not like uh, I was not I was learning it was a very important part of my Mm -hmm. journey that's very important yeah Yeah. and I think with a lot of those practices something I know I've run into and I've also gotten a lot of questions from people in my audience about this is worrying that we're not doing it right the desire Mm -hmm. to do it right Mm -hmm. I'm meditating Mm -hmm. but I don't think I'm doing it right I I can't stop thinking about stuff I'm having a hard time sitting still Um, did you ever have those feelings and how did you work through that absolutely um so I think the biggest thing for me has been recognizing that the lack of stillness is stillness, that Mm -hmm. the chaos is the stillness, that it's because the part where I used to think I was doing it wrong was like, my mind is racing. I have so many thoughts. And like when people talk about meditation and even like the, like if someone is guiding in meditation, I'm like trying to get to where their voice is or something. Mm -hmm. Like I find myself like, okay, so like I just need to hold on to this or hang on to this. But it was certainly not like in a, in one day or in one practice or, um, and it was like hearing the same things over and over again. It was hearing somebody say what I'm saying now many times. Mm -hmm. But at some point I came to realize that like, or I've come to realize that, the manic thoughts, the, um, I mean, like, ideally, I'm not ideally, I'm like, sometimes shit's manic. The manic thoughts that, uh, that race through my mind, that is proof of me being alive. It is my mm-hmm. pulse running. Yes, so like, yes. if that's a good thing, yes. that I'm alive. And um, if that's happening, all I need to do is just show up popcorn in hand and just let it all be there that 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 the chaos means I'm doing it right but if I'm actually in that and the interesting thing about it is that actually accepting that and just letting it be so loud letting it be a cacophony makes it get real quiet in there it it makes things tone down a lot like when it's all loud it's at the same volume yeah. So I, um, 
I think, and then, so that's one piece of it. That's, I guess, like the more practical piece. But then there's also this philosophical uh, element of like wanting to get it right, wanting to do the right thing, like not wanting to be wrong, wanting to, which for me is then tied to like wanting to be a good girl, wanting to be like, wanting to do what I was told to do. And like all of that is much deeper to me and speaks to like, Again, the purpose of the, it's, it's really, I think, the purpose of the embodiment practice of meditation, of like to release hold on that desire to be anything for anybody. Mm-hmm. But just like actually allowing, the, again, with like the cheese stands alone, the lone wolf, like just letting it be that like, yeah, maybe I'm not doing it right what is that going to mean like what does it mean to just like to be wrong and to be bad and to be like to be harmful hurtful maybe me not doing this right is like causing struggle elsewhere like what is what's that mean and like that being just a a whole layer of practice in and of itself and I feel like sometimes the the thought of like, oh, I'm not good at meditation. So like, like I'm just not going to do it. It'll make you just not do it at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that the feeling of I'm not good at meditation is exactly the reason to practice it. And at the exact same time, I think that everything is a meditation. Every part of this life is sitting in something, being with something. And so just like opening up to that and the uh, infinite omniscient nature of all of that, that is really uh, validating and gratifying and uh, healing as well. Yes. Oh my goodness. So much. I feel like I had so many aha moments while you were describing that for, for those of us who do get fixated on like being a good student and doing everything right, that there is no right. No there right. Isn't. There's they're not, no right. They're not being graded. That's not a thing. It's always so interesting to me to the, um, the purpose of the physical yoga practice, because like, so we, we practice the postures and I think that a lot of times the the postures are literally just there to facilitate the shutting up. They make it where it's like, like people are like, oh my God, this yoga is awful. It's really hard. I went, somebody said it was going to be calming and it just sucked a lot. And I'm like, I feel you because it's trying to get you to shut up. It's trying to get you (laughs) to like, stop, stop making sense. Stop thinking, stop, just be. And like, that as a, um, like, I guess if you're the kind of person like me who has difficulty, like pulling into this moment, then it's like, yeah, just, like if you're like, I'm not good at meditation then like practice postures until you get tired enough to just, <laughs> where you're like, you're <laughs> grateful to just need to be quiet. That'll help too. Yes. Yes. I love the idea that everything is, is meditation because it truly is. And I've also found that I've had some unexpected moments of really great meditation. One of my best meditation experiences was when I was actually at the dentist getting a root canal, very unpleasant experience. And I was just sitting there and I was just breathing through it. Very chaotic 
things happening in my face and I was just breathing through it. Best meditation I've ever had. Literally. Oh my God. <laughs> Absolutely. Literally. Oh my God. Just being, it's, it's always the moments it, cause those, that's the whole point. Like, it's like any moment of like a guided meditation on a meditation pillow, like in Bali or like whatever, <laughs> any moment like that was preparation for the root canal. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, okay, so let's, <laughs> exactly. let's do this shit for real. Like, let's do this when it's not fun. Like when you're like, yeah, I would rather not actually when you want to run away. Oh my God, I identify with that so deeply. I cannot even tell you. I had been this last year. So um, in 2021, a lot changed in my life. And one of the things was that my partners and I had been sharing a house together and we ended up leaving that house. And one of my partners and I decided to start living full-time in our RV and traveling across the country. And so this whole decision, that whole decision, the selling of like all of our stuff and like going on the road, that whole thing was just a meditation. (laughs) Just breathe. (laughs) And like, it's, I is again just like nothing but gratitude always for the opportunity to just breathe because there is some other thing coming, you know, there's some other preparation coming. And um actually to that point, my uh, yesterday my creative collaborator partner and I were getting ready for a corporate class, a online class, and the times were like Cause we're, we're now on the West coast in California. And, um, the, I think that the event was like in the Midwest and then our team is on the East coast. And so there was some like miscommunication or confusion about the times. And we were like, like 15 minutes before we're like, oh, okay, so this is an hour internal tech prep. This is tech prep with the event. Okay, heard. And the way that we needed to turn it over, I was like, the only reason that we're able to do this is because we have been conditioning over this whole mm-hmm. last time. There was that whole meditation that has been happening that was just like, if you just lean into it and just let it be. And it's like that, I feel like the things in life that are the hardest are the greatest gifts they're just like teaching you about who you are and how strong you actually are absolutely that discomfort from those moments discomfort from the pose absolutely prepares you jessamine this conversation was such a gift thank you so much for what you do for how you showed up and shared so openly and vulnerably where can our audience find you practice with you keep in touch with you thank you so much for having me i'm honored to be here and i you can find me and all of my stuff, my books at jessamanstanley.com. And you can practice yoga with me on the underbelly, theunderbelly.com. You can find us on social media at the underbelly yoga. You can find me on social media at my name is Jessamine. And you can, yeah, come through. <laughs> find me. <laughs> yes.
We will have all of your information linked in the show notes to make it super easy for everybody to find you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's interview. I have to say, getting to have that conversation with Jessamine truly, truly blessed me, and I hope it blessed you as well. So huge thanks to Jessamine for joining us on the podcast today. Head to the show notes so you can get Jessamine's new book, Yoke, which I highly, highly recommend and so that you can follow her if you aren't already, although chances are you probably already do. I want to give a shout out to our amazing sponsors. All special offers and discount codes can be found in the show notes. And I want to thank you for being a part of the Balanced Black Girl community, for tuning in and for supporting the show. Next week, I'm bringing you a solo episode talking about my experiences and lessons learned with manifestation. I'm also going to be sharing some methods for manifestation that have been helpful for me in my journey. So I'll talk to you next week.